Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, creating a will is one of the most important steps in estate planning. A will is the first step in planning your legacy because it speaks for you and communicates your wishes after you're gone. However, statistics show that about 34% of Canadians, 55 and older, still don't have a will in place. Why not? That's right, John. Most of our clients do now because I have to harp on them every time we have a review or a financial plan. But you'd be so shocked at how many people call in from the radio and don't have a will. I would say it's like closer to 50% of the people that call me. So getting organized is important. And remember, a will is going to direct how your assets should be distributed amongst your loved ones or charity or whomever. And it's really important that when we're talking to clients about estate planning, we're often talking talking about things that have been neglected over some years. Like I often say, people don't have date night, sit across the dinner table for one another, I want to talk wills on, you know what I mean? So that is my job, that's my team's job to continuously bring it up to make sure that our clients have a will, that they have appointed executors, that things are organized so that things can be distributed nicely, easily, seamlessly for your friends and family and charities so that you don't leave a messy situation behind. Because leaving behind a messy situation is really tough uh, for the people who are you're leaving behind as well, because they have to sort out your stuff. So and your profession and your professionals as well, John. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> so today on Ready Set Retire, we'll discuss the importance of a will and how to discuss estate planning with your loved ones. We'll talk about how a will can help ensure a smooth transition of wealth. How to get started on your will and estate planning, and how to talk to your family and loved ones about. About your legacy. So let's start with the basics. Lori, what is a will and why is it so important to have one? Well, remember, a will is a legal document that directs how your assets should be distributed, as I mentioned, and you're going to appoint an executor for your estate. So the person who's going to be responsible for overseeing how your will should be carried out. You can designate a guardian for your minor children if you have any. And again, it ensures a smooth transition of assets from your estate to your heirs. And it also is a much more organized way of doing things. Because if you don't have a will, as I mentioned before, things could get a little bit disorganized. There can be family problems, family fights. I've seen a whole lot of things in my almost 25 years. And so that's why I'm so bent on having a will and a power of attorney, I will say. Both are extremely important. So uh, legally, what happens if you pass away without a will? Walk us through that. Well, if you die without a valid will, this is known as dying intestate, and it really can carry some major consequences for your estate. Provincial rules and laws may override your wishes. And if your will isn't valid, the assets can be divided according to the rules set out by the province you reside in. And those laws vary greatly. So again, if you're in BC, you want to become familiar with what those rules and laws are if you don't have a will. Otherwise, get yourself to a lawyer as quickly as you can to get a will. 
So, for example, for the share of your assets that a spouse is entitled to versus other family members. So that can vary widely from province to province. And as well, common law spouses or blended families. I can't tell you enough. It is so important that you have an updated will that you really want to think about what your plans are for after you're gone with your assets in terms of blended families. Because some people have children from other marriages who are adult children. They want to make sure their spouse is taken care of, their current spouse, maybe a second marriage. Maybe the house is passed on to them while they're still living and then transfers to your adult children from another marriage. So there's a lot of things to think about in my experience with blended families. And again, you might have unintended executors for your will if you don't have one. In BC, if there's no executor to an estate, eligible people can apply to the BC Supreme Court for a grant of administration. If successful, they'll be named as an administrator and they're able to make and manage and distribute the assets of your estate. So this may be somebody that you don't want Mm. to be in that position, you know? So who can do that? Can like a friend show up and go, well, I knew the guy for 50 years, you know, I'll be his executor. I'm not sure actually how detailed they get, but anybody can apply, in my understanding. So this is a, a major situation and that's why, again, you don't want to die without a will. So your assets may be distributed, of course, in an unintended way. And if you don't have a will in place, you really forfeit the opportunity to outline how you would like your assets to be distributed upon your passing. So that division may or may not be what you wanted or intended, of course, if you don't have a will in place. Well, indeed. So how are your beneficiaries affected if you pass away without a will? Well, a bigger tax bill that could have probably or possibly, I should say, voided if some planning was done beforehand. There could be a longer settlement period. It generally takes longer to settle an estate if there's no will in place, of course, because everyone's kind of scrambling, trying to figure out who should be doing what, where it should be going. So you can imagine that would take a lot longer. And so this makes it really difficult for intended beneficiaries to receive their share of the estate. And remember, part of your estate is not just, you know, your assets in your portfolio, but this could be your home or a condo that you're living in, any cottages, things like that, you know, everything could kind of just be almost frozen until some decisions are made. So that can take a very long time. And so if you want to try to minimize tax as well, with that wealth transfer to your beneficiaries, you definitely want to be planning way, way ahead. So if you already have a will in place, uh, what about updating? How often should that happen? There's something to be said for updating a will, but you know it doesn't need to be updated all the time, every year, anything like that. But you should be reviewing it to ensure beneficiaries, ex- executors, and assets are up to date. You know, a lot of people do percentage or share of an estate, and that's how they're going to distribute it, not dollar amounts, which is what you probably shouldn't do because your dollar amounts will change. You also want to make sure you have all the information for all your accounts somewhere easily to be found. For example, we have a booklet. You can fill it out online or you can have a hard copy of it where you can put in it everything that you want your executor to know once you're gone. And so you have to think about like passwords for various bank accounts you have online, things like that, right? It's So you want to make sure that you're organized that way. But in terms of updating a will, of course, a, a new marriage, a divorce, the passing of a spouse would be another reason to update a will. And some people end up leaving a certain percentage or share to grandchildren. Not everybody. I'd say the majority to each other. There is an each other. Then they leave it to adult children. And that's it. I would say maybe 10 
20% of clients probably leave some certain carved out amount for grandchildren in there. So just remember, if you are one of those uh, that have decided to carve out that amount for grandchildren, that you include all of the grandchildren or future grandchildren because I have seen that mistake happen before. So again, you just want to stay on top of some of those things in the will that you you may need to change now or in the future. And also charitable donations is one that we talk to a lot of clients about. A lot of clients feel their adult children are just fine and they're going to be fine. And so they want to continue to, or at least donate to a charity in their final year. And so you just want to make sure that's known, even within the family, if you have that open communication so that people are aware that you you know you do plan to leave a, a gift as well. So can you leave money to your grandchildren but skip your adult children? Are there any legal ramifications of that? Yeah, you know, I, again, I'm not a lawyer, but um, what I have seen now is clients reducing the percentage to the adult children and increasing the amount to the grandchildren. So I haven't seen anybody not include their adult children, but I have seen now kind of the tables turn to increasing the percentage share that grandchildren get. And, you know, some comments I've had from other clients are their adult children are fine, they're going to do fine, but they may not give any away to their children. So the grandparents are going, how do I protect my grandchildren here, you know? Yeah. So that uh, that's also something that we're looking at. So there are a lot of ways to make a will these days, including online. You can get a do-it-yourself will kit. Of course, you can go to a lawyer. What are your thoughts on using those alternative services? Yeah, well, you can also, I think, write your will on a napkin and have two people witnesses <laughs> sign it, but I don't think that's a good idea either. A waiter, my will, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, there's there's many ways to go about drafting, creating your will, but the most effective way to ensure that it's valid and properly written out is to deal with a professional, deal with a lawyer that can put something like that together. And we deal with a few lawyers that we refer our clients to that have been really good. And it can be very complex. Some For some people, it's not complex. And so they feel comfortable with the kind of do-it-yourself online version. But I always think like the cost of a will varies greatly, I have to say, John. I mean, I've seen wills done for $2,000. I've seen them done for $20,000. Like it really depends on the complexity of someone's estate and what you're trying to achieve. And so my biggest piece of advice would be always to see a lawyer, I would say. You know, instead of trying to go it alone, no matter how not complex you think your will is. Like when you start digging deeper, sometimes I do, John, with people and I'm like, okay, so pretty easy to each other, to the adult children. How do you feel about your son's wife? (laughs) And then it goes silent. Radio silence on the other end. Like these things come up and they may not even want to or have ever verbally talked about it, that they're a little worried they could be getting divorced, not sure how it works. And so again, those are reasons why you would just want to see a lawyer. Even though I like to believe that all families are made of rainbows and butterflies, the fact is, I know that they're not, and it's important <laughs> no. to just prepare for every sort of scenario that's out there. Well, even in the most open families, uh, conversations that involve death and money can be pretty difficult. So uh, what should you consider when uh, you're having these sort of estate planning conversations with your loved ones, especially if things are not all rainbows and butterflies? Yeah, I would say you want to be mindful on timing. So a family emergency or crisis may kind of bring the estate planning up to the forefront, you know, that's what people are thinking about. But you you don't want to wait until that point. It's not the best time. Everyone's under a lot of stress and trying to make health decisions or whatever the case may be. 
and some people can be very emotional during those kind of stressful situations around health and may not be able to make good or quick decisions. And so you want to try and time it so that you're having these conversations either with each other or with your families without any sort of problem before anything like that happens. And and you just don't want to catch people off guard. You want to set up a proper meeting if you're going to involve your adult children, if you're going to involve all of them, then it is a good idea to have that open communication. However, I know that not everybody loves openly communicating about their estate and, and how much they have. But remember, you can bring a third party in, like a lawyer, like someone like myself. I'm often in those family meetings. But you also don't have to talk about how much you have. It's more about the talk, the discussion around how do we minimize tax? This is what you can expect. And I think that is effective enough where you don't have to everybody know, you know, to the dollar how much they're going to be inheriting. Because a lot of parents, you know, are worried that their adult children are going to lose motivation when they know how much they're going to inherit. But I will tell you, John, usually the adult children of these families are also very motivated themselves. And so the parents have taught their children how to make money, keep money, invest money. And so the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. You know, again, that's not in every family, but many of the ones that I deal with. So open communication is good. So when should you involve family in these kinds of conversations? Well, I would say you want to involve them when you are either updating your will or as you go through different stages of life. So, you know, if you're able to have that conversation with them so that they're more prepared and they may have some say on how they want things handled. Like I had a family where the father, aging father, had put a bunch of the assets in a trust where the adult children didn't need a trust. They were perfectly able to handle everything on their own. However, he thought he was doing them a favor. And I would tell you our experience uh, dealing with the trust company has been not ideal, not ideal. And so had they had known what he was planning or trying to do, then it could have worked out a lot better. And so having the conversation as early as you feel comfortable with, I would say. Also, if your health changes, that's definitely another reason, such as if you, you know people are diagnosed with dementia, things like that. Some things you can't plan for, John, like we have had clients pass away from a heart attack. So we're hoping they are prepared. But more often it is something like cancer or Alzheimer's or something that you do have time. So you just want to make sure you're having those conversations while you're able to. Sometimes, you know, in life, uh, day in and day out, it's hard enough to get our individual finances together, let alone try to figure out uh, how to plan across generations. So what are some of the ways to get started on financial planning as a family? Well, when you start talking to your adult children that it could save them more money and they're going to have to pay CRA less, usually that gets people kind of skipping to the table because <laughs> that's really what it's about. Yeah. It's about minimizing taxes, keeping more in your family's hands than in CRA's hands. And so I think that early planning is important when you're talking to, well, sometimes just one generation, but even sometimes a second generation, depending on your age. So you want to start by asking yourself, how much do I want to leave in a legacy? That's why we do financial plans. So it can give people that vision of how much am I going to have at the end of my days to even distribute. Like if you go and try and do a will and you say you have assets, all different areas, you might own a, you know some properties, you have your portfolio, you've got bank accounts. And in 20, 30 years, you may not even know what that amounts to be after you're in retirement, spending what you want to spend. 
Do I plan on early gifting? That's another question to adult children, grandchildren. Usually that early gift is to help people get started in the real estate market because it has come up so high that it's hard for anybody to break into it. So I would say that's a huge conversation we're having with clients. And how much do I need to live comfortably in retirement and still look out for my family? And so I love that people want to leave money to their children and grandchildren. But again, my job is to make sure you're taken care of too first. And so that is why we want to make sure that even if we're talking about gifting, that we're not giving away too much early on in retirement. It's important to keep enough for yourself so that you can travel or golf or boat or whatever you plan on doing in retirement, uh, that you can go do that without any stress and know that you can. And so that's a, a few ideas there, John, for people to think about. Well, let's talk about the gifting a little more deeply because there are some things that you really need to consider and, you know, things like, as you mentioned, your own cash flow. And that can be, you know, I guess somewhat difficult to to figure out, you know, what you're going to need years from now. But that's why you're there to help people sort that stuff out. Exactly, because we're taking taxes into account, inflation, good markets, bad markets, right? I think that's important. A lot of people ask about that too, of course. And, you know, when we're looking at at gifting, it is important that your own needs are met. Where I feel like a lot of people end up gifting is when they sell or downsize their principal residence. Say they had a house for 30, 40 years. Now they're going to move into a townhouse, a condo. And then there's this lump sum there. And I find that that is often a conversation when that lump sum is there, whether they should look at some early gifting. And and early gifting can be positive because it takes it off your balance sheet, gives it to your adult children or grandchildren or whoever you're gifting to, and allows them to enjoy it. And you can watch them enjoy it. So we're for gifting, definitely, but we want to make sure it's within reason. So how does a financial advisor help with the transition of wealth? How does that work? Well, the best way to plan for that transition is to ensure that both you and your partner have a solid relationship with the financial advisor that you're dealing with. I think that's really important. I often talk about how we manage the whole family's money. Like we manage the grandparents, the adult children, the grandchildren. So we manage all of the generation's wealth. And so that is an easy transition from, you know, grandparents to kids to grandkids. And also, you know, what's most important to people is their family, their health. They want to make sure that their family is taken care of. So, you know, I know at some of the other institutions out there, they won't allow their advisors to even take smaller accounts because they go, well, it doesn't mean our firm's minimum. To me, it's the family should stay together with one advisor if possible. And so that's why we're so open and to educating young people too. I mean, it's a passion of mine to educate young people about investing and so my team, is, as well as I, often talk to the adult children or grandchildren about investing to make sure that they're on track. And even recently, I had a client, sons call me, one was 15 and one's, I think, 17, and they wanted to open up their own accounts with the amount of money that they're making in their, in their part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, they have to be in trust for accounts, the parents are involved, but that they wanted to learn about it in their own right and give us a call directly. I had a huge smile on my face, John, when I got that email. It was just amazing to know that people that I'm dealing with, the kids are excited about learning about investing because, again, that's my passion. And so I'm happy to educate and share that knowledge. And if they were with a firm that, you know, had minimums and all that kind of stuff, then that would not be possible. Yeah, there's an advisor I know that came to Canaccord 
because she was told at one point that all of her smaller accounts had to go to the bank branch. And so can you imagine I can keep your account to the grandparents or the person who has got the bigger account and say, oh, but the smaller accounts, they got to go somewhere else. It wasn't her decision. That was the firm's decision. And so, yeah, that wouldn't happen here and would never happen in my business because I feel so strongly about keeping the families together. As we approach the end of the year, this is a good reminder for us to get started on a will if you haven't made one yet. If you already have one in place, consider if there have been significant changes to you or your family's life to warrant an update. And estate planning may not be a popular topic, but taking the necessary steps to ensure that your estate is distributed the way you choose is very important. Family financial planning is something everyone should invest time into as it's going to benefit more than just yourself. It's going to benefit your family. It's going to benefit the charities that you choose. And a well-executed estate plan can help to reduce taxes and expenses to your estate, as I was saying, keep more in the pockets of your family members uh, instead of CRA. So that's why you want to spend time focusing on creating that will or updating it if needed. And again, we didn't talk too much about it on, on this episode, John, but the power of attorney is also extremely important. Usually when you go to a lawyer, they're going to suggest you do both right then and there. Power of attorney does grant somebody a lot of power, right? That's if you're incapacitated, that somebody can make decisions on your behalf. And just because you're married or you have a spouse or a common law partner does not mean that someone's able to make those decisions for you. So it's important to have a power of attorney as well. Solid advice, as always, from Lori Pinkowski. Now, we're going to wrap this up with a quote, as we always do. What have you got? There's no harm in hoping for the best as long as you are prepared for the worst. And this actually came from Stephen King, the novelist. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but anyways, that, it, it is true. It is true. You want to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. And again, that's uh, what we do here uh, on my team in terms of looking at the estate planning. I'll bet you there aren't very many, if any, other financial advice shows that uh, end it with a Stephen King quote somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not, but that's why we're different, John. That's why we're different. We're keeping it real, keeping it real. And we will uh, keep it real again in a couple of weeks with another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. In the meantime, so great to talk to you. You as well, John. Thanks. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and IROC.